Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today is Thursday, March 4th. The Bruins are coming off a 2-1 shootout loss to the Washington Capitals, which we will get to here in a moment. Instead of updating the NHL's top five teams, it's going to be a all-Bruins content pod today because there's just a lot to talk about. Before we get into it, let me remind you the podcast is available pretty much everywhere, so please do hit that subscribe button on whatever app you use. Each new episode will be automatically added to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, particularly if you're an Apple user, that would be very much appreciated. If you're on Twitter, please follow the show at LO Boston Bruins, and you can also follow uh, on Instagram at Locked on Bruins. I'm on both platforms at ENC McLaren, so you can find my hockey tweets, dad jokes, tweets about the latest TV shows I'm watching, and the like. Um, so, yeah, please do follow along there as well. That would be very cool to make more social media connections with people who listen to the show. I think that's it by way of introduction. So, let's get into last night's game against the Washington Capitals and. A bit before puck drop, some pretty significant news dropped on the Bruins' Twitter account. Uh, They didn't put out a release about it, but they did tweet that Charlie Coyle has been placed in COVID-19 protocol and that he would obviously miss uh, the game as a result. Let me read the full thing. He said, Charlie Coyle will not play in tonight's game, COVID-19 protocols. Uh, if you were active on social media the other day, you would have seen that it was Charlie Coyle's birthday on Tuesday. He turned 29 years of age and there were some rumblings that perhaps there was an Instagram story or post that had gone up, uh, showing him kind of celebrating his birthday out at a restaurant. So that could be why the, uh, COVID protocol was, Uh, you know, enacted in regards to Charlie Coyle. Uh, I didn't see those myself, uh, but, you know, he's not practicing here again on Thursday. Probably has to go through a series of negative tests in order to return to the lineup. Hopefully it's not a positive case and that Charlie and his family are well and healthy. And it's just a bit of a blip here uh, when it comes to the COVID protocols. The Bruins have been relatively safe from it this season. I believe only Carson Kuhlman was on the list, and that was back in training camp. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully wishing Charlie Coyle all the best and that he can be back in the lineup uh, sooner than later. Now let's get to the game itself, which started off uh, pretty slow from a Bruins perspective. David Pasternak had a glorious opportunity to score in the first period, uh, hitting the post. It went off the goaltender, back off the post, stayed out of the net, so that did not um count as an official shot the Bruins didn't get their first shot until about the 15 minute mark of uh the first period 
Despite the tight defense from the Capitals, the Bruins did manage to go ahead 1-0 thanks to a beautiful pass from Brad Marchand after a great defensive effort that led to some Selkie talk uh, on NBC. Side note, uh, he fed it over to David Pasternak for his 10th goal of the season, 1-19 into the third period. However, Lars Eller tied things up about five minutes later, and then uh, the game was decided in a shootout after Jake DeBrusque, Pasternak, and Marchand were all denied by Vitek Vanacek, and Jacob Vrana managed to get one past Rask in the uh, shootout round. Now, this game had a very playoff feel to it, very tight checking, low uh, kind of offensive event game. The shots were 28-19 in favor of the Capitals. They had 12 shots in the third, five in overtime compared to nine in the third for the Bruins, only one in overtime. Uh, Zdeno Chara obviously also made his return and was greeted with a very nice video tribute. No fans in the arena, obviously, but fans were incorporated into the tribute video, which was pretty cool. Bruce Cassidy said he felt a little bad that there weren't 18,000-plus fans giving the ovation that he deserves, but um, nonetheless, Chara appeared touched by the gesture, stood up and gave a wave, stick-tap to his current teammates and management and and everyone in the building. Um, But yeah, very tight checking game that also featured some extracurriculars mostly between Trent Frederick and Alex Ovechkin he that being Frederick continued to show he's unafraid to ruffle some feathers he challenged Ovechkin to a fight uh, to no avail early in the third period before tangling with the Washington captain later in the frame Uh, There were a couple cross-checks delivered by Frederick on Ovechkin, and then Ovi responded with a spear to Frederick's nether regions that resulted in a $5,000 fine levied by the NHL here on Thursday morning. Both players received matching minor penalties for that skirmish. Uh, There was some talk on Twitter that, you know, Frederick... Challenged Ovechkin to a fight and then backed down, uh, kind of regretting his actions. But, you know, it was Frederick who dropped the gloves. And it really seemed as though Ovechkin was, A, reluctant to head to the box for five minutes in a tight game. And uh, it wasn't, you know, due to a lack of effort on Frederick's part, that's for sure. Cassidy, again, lauded Frederick for impacting the game. He's coming to the lineup, found a way, whether it's offensively, physically, defensively, to contribute. And he's decided that he's going to be a bit of an agitator to a certain extent. But he does keep his discipline in check, and he's not putting the team at a disadvantage. That's a a sign of maturity on his part. Something that, you know, looking back, a guy like Brad Marchand didn't necessarily... Uh, display early on in his career Cassidy said he's done a great job with it he's gonna have to build his game offensively it's starting to come a little bit and he has been shooting the puck a little bit more Uh, but that abrasiveness is welcome and he's getting under people's skin he did get that um, you know offsetting minor penalties with Ovechkin to take their best score off the ice for a couple minutes at least And as long as it's not hurting the team or 
taking Frederick away from, you know, more shots or generating offense, playing strong defensively, then uh, the Bruins will see it as a net positive for sure. And certainly getting a rise out of the fans as well, who who certainly are, um, yeah, becoming big-time fans of, of Trent Frederick. I should mention, yeah, the goal that was scored by the Capitals was uh, created off a pretty egregious turnover by Sean Corrali, who hasn't looked too good in recent games. He might be in line for a view from the press box. Uh, he was in action on the fourth line while Jack Stanika took center rolls. He was pivoted to the left-hand side. Um, not, yeah, not a great look on that turnover for sure. Tuka Rask did play very well on the other side, um, stopping 27 of 28 shots. His second straight very strong performance, only allowing one goal through the course of the regular events of the game. And over the course of the last two games, he has elevated his save percentage above 900, which uh, is nice to see as well. I think last weekend he was about 892 going into the Rangers game, now at 902, and um, hopefully he can keep up these strong performances moving forward. The other thing to note was Jared Tenorti making his debut, becoming the first player to wear number 84. He played a, a solid, simple game. He looked to have been exposed a bit on the first goal scored by the Capitals that was waved off as a result of an offside challenge that was successful. And um, he wasn't helped out much by Connor Clifton, who was kind of right beside him when the goal was scored instead of covering the other uh, side. Uh, which was a bit weird. Uh, Cassidy made note of that. Ternordi and Clifton duplicated on the overturned goal, started reading off each other with breakouts as things went on. He thought Ternordi kept things simple and clean, and uh, he landed two hits, 16-41 of ice time, and uh, could very well have earned, you know, some more looks moving forward, with um, especially with Jeremy Lozon out of the lineup as well as Kevin Miller out of the lineup uh, due to injury. Overall, it wasn't the strongest effort for the Bruins. They uh, were out-attempted at 5-on-5, 53.25 advantage for the Washington Capitals. Uh, Expected goals, I believe they were, yeah, 65.32 in favor of the Capitals. So the underlying numbers definitely didn't favor the Bruins in this one. Still some... Scoring issues to be worked out and uh, some defensive issues with that turnover. Uh, but like I said, Tugarask, very solid. Top line scored once again. Uh, Tenorti looked okay. And they have a couple days to get ready for a rematch at home Friday night against the Washington Capitals. And we'll, of course, preview that on tomorrow's episode as well as get into uh, what practice looks like here on Thursday morning. But before we do that, let's talk about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, NHL, college basketball are in full swing. Baseball now in spring training. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television. They provide real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. They also have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. 
is the best way to place your bets. It's also free to sign up. Just head to their website, use your mobile device to get a free account, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, James Harden is heading back to Houston with his new team. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. All right, so during last night's game, you may have seen a tweet from Cap Friendly Transactions announcing that Zach Sinitian had been recalled from the Providence Bruins and added to the practice squad. In fact, if you look at Boston's Cap Friendly page right now, he is indeed listed on the taxi squad along with Steve Kampfer, uh, sorry, Callum Booth, and Greg McKaig. Conversely, Carson Kuhlman is listed as being a non-roster forward, uh, presumably assigned to the Providence Bruins. Now, Thursday here at practice, Zach Sinitian is not present at Warrior Ice Arena, and Mark Diver, who is as plugged into Providence as anybody on social media, saying that or answering a question about Sinitian, uh, saying that he is in the lineup for Providence's game here on Thursday afternoon. So I'm a bit confused as to whether or not he has been added to the taxi squad, if he can play for the Bruins AHL team while assigned to the taxi squad. Keep in mind, he does have to clear waivers to be uh, reassigned. So there's some something weird going on there, and I'm not quite sure. Now, I did ask... Uh, Bruce Cassidy about Zach Sinitian during his Zoom availability on uh, Wednesday. And he said, basically, you know, they haven't forgot about him. Uh, he's been playing well. He will be added to the roster in the event of, you know, injury or trade, uh, saying he's got to worry about just playing his best hockey every night. And it sounds like he is. If he continues to play the way he will get a look at some point, but he couldn't predict the future. Now, shortly after that, of course, Charlie Coyle was placed on the COVID-19 list. I don't know if that's related or if it's just swapping Kuhlman for Sinitian. Uh, so we'll see how it all shakes out and try to get some clarity on that in advance of uh, Friday's game against the uh, Washington Capitals. I wouldn't suspect he'd be in the lineup, but if he's practicing on Friday or over the weekend, that would be a good sign that, you know, he has indeed been added to the taxi squad. As When it comes to practice lines here on Thursday, of course, Marshan Berger on Pasternak, nothing new there. Richie Krejci Smith on the second line. Third line, we have Trent Frederick with Stadnika and DeBrusque. Anders Bjork, Sean Corrali, Chris Wagner on the fourth line with uh, Greg McKaig as the extra skater. So in Coyle's absence, you have Stadnika jumping up to the third line, center, and then Bjork, uh, sorry, Corrali back at center on the fourth line after having been bumped to the left side uh, in practice at least before uh, Coyle had been removed from the lineup. On defense, Zboro McAvoy, Grizzly Carlo, no changes there. We have Jared Tenordi skating with Yurho Vakaninen 
and then Clifton and Camphor as the extra uh, duo. Halak and Booth, the netminders at practice. I'm assuming Rask just getting a maintenance day after, um, you know, a pretty good game last night. So absent from practice, Coyle, Rask, Kevin Miller, uh, John Moore, Jeremy Lozon, and Andre Kasha. We know for sure Lozon, Miller, and Kasha are injured. Coyle is on the COVID protocol list. And Rask and Moore, uh, not quite sure why they're missing, but uh, we'll try to get some um, clarity in regards to that uh, as soon as possible. So keep it locked at Ian C. McLaren or at LO Boston Bruins on Twitter uh, to get uh, a sense of what's going on here behind the scenes. One other note on the goaltending situation. You may have seen TSN, NBCSN analyst, insider Bob McKenzie talking last night about uh, Rask and Halak negotiating extensions for next season. He said, the interesting thing for me is they've got both goaltenders, Halak, their backup, and Rask, the veteran number one, both on expiring contracts. So could there be contract talks in season to get something done? I think the short answer to that is yes. The Bruins are not opposed to bringing back one or both of these guys, and doing in-season contracts, if they get the sense from the goaltenders that that's what they want to do, is a possibility. He added, Rask is really the key here. How much longer does he want to play? And I think the Bruins are waiting for some sort of indication from him on how he'd like to proceed. But the Bruins, by all means, are open to having one or both of these guys back. They have to do a little bit of a dance in terms of Jeremy Swayman or Dan Vladder, their young goalies in the system. Is one of them ready to step up just yet? Or how would all those pieces of the puzzle fit? But all things considered, the veteran goaltender Rask and the veteran Halak may be getting contracts before the end of the season if that's the way they want to go. Rask, of course, said before the season he's comfortable with where things were from a contract perspective and that he wasn't worried about playing on an expiring deal. He also said he hoped to remain a Bruin beyond the season, and yet he had no intention of playing for another team. Rask, of course, is carrying a cap hit of $7 million for the season. Halax is much more manageable at $2.25 million. I would expect if Rask were to resign that it would be a bit of a reduced rate, uh, seeing as he is getting up there in age, uh, not quite playing as strong this season as he did last year. Um, and, you know, if he is intent on remaining a Bruin, perhaps there's a team-friendly aspect to his uh, deal that could be expected on the Bruins' part. McKenzie also added the Bruins do have some cap flexibility heading into the trade deadline, and that was by design. They knew it was going to be an interesting year with taxi squads and COVID. They absolutely have the ability to add a really prominent defenseman if they want to, or up front, or maybe even both. Don Sweeney is wide open to any and all possibilities. We'll get a better handle on that closer to the trade deadline, which is coming up five weeks this Monday. So the Bruins could be poised to be very active on the trade market ahead of the deadline. And if you missed 
yesterday's podcast where I discussed who has no move clauses on their contracts and who the Bruins should expressly not consider trading, then please go back and listen to that episode. Rock Auto is a family-owned business and they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Their catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Their prices are always reliably low, and the same for pros as well as do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On expert Scott Cullen. He'll give you all the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS leagues, breaking down all the stats and information to keep you ahead of the competition. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Hockey wherever you get podcasts. Speaking of the Bruins and trades, there's quite a lot of articles out there today talking about potential targets and what they might do prior to the deadline as well as in the offseason. Nick Ghost of NBC Sports Boston writes, he believes the Bruins should be among the first teams to contact the Sabres if Jack Eichel decides he wants out or if they decide to move him in order to stockpile assets for their ongoing rebuild. However, he says the Bruins should say no if the asking price is David Pasternak or Charlie McAvoy. And uh, as you heard me talk yesterday, completely agree with that assessment. Jimmy Murphy of Hockey, Boston Hockey now, I should say, noted the Bruins need an experienced left-shot defenseman. He suggested the Bruins could revisit the off-season trade discussions with the Coyotes regarding blue liner Oliver ekman Larson. Keep in mind, he has a very stringent no-move clause and that his agent had said, you know, there was a deadline to make a trade to either Boston or Vancouver and that passed. And finally, DJ Bean of NBC Sports Boston wonders if the Bruins should go for it this season and fill in the cracks in their roster to improve their chances for a deep playoff run. I don't think anybody would argue against that. Obviously, the roster could have a different look next season if Tuka Rask and David Krejci depart via free agency. Like I said earlier, there seems to be some movement towards Rask coming back at the very least. Uh, the more questions about Krejci, I would think, since they do have some centers to step in if he does decide to sign elsewhere or to, uh, you know, go back to Europe or what have you. With Jake DeBrus struggling a bit, with Andre Kasha's uh, future a bit uncertain as well as he continues to come back or try to come back from an upper body injury, the logical place to start would be to add a scorer on a Krejci's wing. Stop me if you've heard that before. Uh, DeBrus could even find himself as a trade candidate. 
Uh, but there might be some concern that he would blossom with another club. Uh, Matias Ekholm would be a prime target for the Bruins. But again, there are some um, expansion draft considerations to keep in mind since they can protect only three defensemen. I believe that's it for news and notes as it pertains to the Bruins here on Thursday. Just got off the Zoom availabilities with the uh, Bruins head coach, Bruce Cassidy, and uh, Jared Tenorti, Trent Frederick. Frederick uh, definitely uh, didn't seem to be sweating too much. His antics last night with Alex Ovechkin said he slept well uh, and that he certainly thought Ovechkin wanted to go there in the third period. He might have dropped the gloves a little fast, but uh, certainly sounded willing to back that up. I should mention NHL.com. They have their power rankings out have the Bruins at fourth at the moment behind the Maple Leafs, Golden Knights, and Tampa Bay Lightning. Not sure if that was... Yeah, that came out this morning, so after the loss to the Capitals. Um, so the Bruins still thought of as a strong club around the league. Should also mention, Bruce Cassidy said, uh, Rask, maintenance date today, as Black is penciled to start Friday's game against the Capitals. Um, so... No concerns about him missing practice. Thanks to all who tuned in today and uh, for all your support for the podcast. It's always great to chat about our black and gold, despite the fact that they lost last night. Still think, you know, promising days ahead for this team, for sure. Uh, Off night tonight, so I'll definitely be watching some more Yellowstone. Only four episodes left in Season 3. Uh, Very intrigued by these new barrel racer characters, uh, one of whom is Josh Brolin's daughter, uh, if if, uh, you weren't uh, aware of that, and uh, how particularly the one called Laramie is involved with uh, the older (laughs) Wrangler, which is a very interesting dynamic that I'm excited to see how that plays out. Anyways, if if you haven't watched, you don't know what I'm talking about, and I do recommend that, uh, that you check it out. Again, thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for all your support. Do subscribe if you haven't already. Follow the show at LO Boston Bruins. Follow me at ENC McLaren. And uh, we'll be back with some more Bruins content here on the podcast tomorrow with uh, hopefully a guest uh, that I have lined up that I won't, um, you know, spoil. So, yeah, have a great yesterday, friends. Talk to you tomorrow.